everybody. Daryl here, and I just wanted to pass on a brief message before each one of our Comic-Con 2014 podcasts to make sure that you are aware of all the content that we have available to you from San Diego Comic-Con 2014. We have three press room interviews for you, each one being released as a separate podcast, of course. This year, we have the Person of Interest Press Room with Michael Emerson, Jim Caviezel, Kevin Chapman, Amy Acker, Sarah Shahey, and Greg Plagman. So a great lineup for you in that one. We also have the following Press Room with Kevin Bacon, Sean Ashmore, Jessica Straup, Sam Underwood, Marcos Siega, and Jennifer Johnson. And we have the Bones Press Room with Emily Deschanel and Stephen Nathan. So it's a great lineup of press room interviews we have for you. And we also have several podcasts for quite a few of the panels from San Diego Comic Con 2014. These include Under the Dome, Supernatural, Person of Interest, The Following, The Last Ship, 24, Bones, Batman 1966 with Adam West, Burt Ward, and Julie Newmar, and a panel called NASA's Next Giant Leap with moderator Seth Green, and then Dr. Jim Green, Mike Finke, Bobak Ferdowsi, and Buzz Aldrin. So that's a great panel for you to check out. So that's 12 podcasts in all that cover just a small part of San Diego Comic-Con 2014. Now keep in mind we're releasing these podcasts over the course of several days, so you may not see them all quite yet in the feed, depending on when you are listening to this podcast. So be patient as we release them over the next few days. Of course, the way you're going to get all of these podcasts is by subscribing to the Golden Spiral Media all-inclusive feed. You can find that over at goldenspiralmedia.com slash podcasts, or it's also available in Stitcher and iTunes. Lastly, I want to thank our special Golden Spiral Media correspondents for San Diego Comic-Con 2014, Chip and Sarah Mims. Check out Chip and Sarah's podcast about the FX show The Americans over at watchingtheamericans.com and check out Chip's craft beer podcast over at talesfromthecask.com. Now, on with the show. All right, we're going to get things kicked off here with the Person of Interest panel with Amy Acker and Sarah Shahi. Now stay tuned at the end of the episode for a special announcement. It sounds like, I'm, am I imagining that she's like the Neo of Person of Interest? <laughs> like you have this crazy connection to the machine? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, now, now that we're... Now that Samaritan's online, though, my um, we're having to be a little bit more careful. I, I'm not getting to communicate as freely with her as I did in the past, so it, it's going. There's a lot of more cryptic messaging and puzzles that she's she's giving me bits and pieces of information instead of the full-on prompts. Yeah. Red Evolution. I mean, she started the season as you know a psychopathic crazy woman. <laughs> Somehow ended the season as like the same, the same right? Like, how, you know how? And then you know, is that how it always season. happened? <laughs> it was match made in heaven. It was. Uh-huh. So yeah, how, how I, did that happen? It was just all of a sudden I was like, "Ruth Austin." I was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> it, 
just the writers are I, I mean I don't know if, when I when they told me I was doing a few episodes in season two I, I don't know if they knew this was gonna happen or not or but um I think just the really good chemistry me and the machine had probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well both of you seem to ha- have had major losses of parents in your backgrounds and you both have sort of that hard edge of having dealt not dealt with probably some of that loss how do you see that in, in your characters and um, and how that shapes you. I think, I mean, you know, there's very little. I mean, I remember when I first got the role, I wrote Jonah this two-page email about her history, where she came from, the kind of pizza she likes, <laughs> the kind of alcohol she drinks, how she likes the f- <laughs> um, I I did this whole thing. And he was like... Nah, we'll just kind of figure it out. And I was like, okay, so I, you know, I don't, I, in answer to your question, I would love to dive into Shaw's backstory. I mean, part of the reason I took the job was because of the character and, you know, how, how stormy and dark and, and, and yeah, troubled she seemed, but, um, but, you know, we haven't really gotten there where we get to explore it. But yes, clearly, girlfriend has some issues, <laughs> and she hasn't she hasn't addressed. So, yeah, we're gonna find you in the premiere. I can't imagine Shaw in suburbia, faking fakes, and doing all this. <laughs> oh, <stuff>. really? Oh, <laughs> really? Um, you know, our our undercover. I mean, I'm sure you guys know. I like we can't tell you what our undercover identities are, but um, we're they're situations that are not natural to us and you know it, it brings for a lot of funny to the episodes um, because you are watching something that doesn't match and um, but yeah but it's tricky you know because within that you know my character she has this appetite for violence she's like a shark in water she's got to keep swimming she's got to keep going so you know the machine finally gives us a number and um, my character is just hungry for it and so she gets wind of the number and uh, uh, Reese and I we pair up to go um, into the situation but we have to be very careful about it because Samaritan is watching and not only are they watching but they have people and they're recruiting um, so I can't make too much noise or I'll draw, draw notice to myself so anyway it's a very fine dance kind of that our characters have to do my question is the two of you started off as your characters started off as adversaries and now you're kind of like best friends BFS hanging out and you really enjoy spending yeah. time going out drinking together like can you guys talk about how that worked how you well, played I, I did kidnap her but who doesn't love to be tortured with an iron girls come on I know you like that. Can you talk about how that changed as, as it went on through the last season especially? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I feel like somebody like Shaw, I mean, you know, she wants to go where the most violent situation is. I mean, I can even see Shaw one day saying F you to all of the team and joining Samaritan. I can totally see that with her. You know, I think she's dark enough and she's she's kind of a she's kind of a loner enough. Did you ever see the movie um, The Heat with Robert yeah. De Niro? Yes. Yeah. She's kind of like, you know, she's part of a team, but she's still operating on her own in some ways. Um, so, you know, I think I think for her route, 
is somebody who she knows will deliver a good time, aka lots of violence. <laughs> and I think there is some trust that she has found within her. Like she's Shaw has put some trust in her because her roots saved her ass a couple times. And uh, and yeah, so I think you know that. And then also they just keep writing things like. Shaw and Root are inches away from each other's face. <laughs> so, you know, like, so yeah, so we, we saw what was yeah. happening. We, we're not, we're, we're no dummies. This isn't our first time. I was on the L word for a while. I knew what was happening. So, I think back also to what, she, what you were saying about, you know, they, they do have some similarities in their past. And I think for me, it's being admiring who she is and what she does and how she does it and also it's fun to, to mess with her. So. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think with uh, your relation with the machine, does the machine ever listen to Root or does the machine just tell Root you need to do this, you need to do this? Up until this point, it doesn't seem like I'm I'm giving any advice to the machine. So I'll be interested to see how long she can go without that happening. It seems like there's been, you know, there was times last year where I was really questioning why the machine was putting me in situations and trying to get answers from the machine that she was making me figure out on my own. But I don't. I I, I feel like that could ultimately become like a conflict of interest of like wait I I want to have a say in what's happening too as of right now the machine's not looking for help from anyone advice <laughs> so particularly at the beginning of the season you had some awesome crazy best to describe in scenes what was your favorite scene um, to do this year this last season I mean, the the one like big speech to the psychiatrist that Jonah wrote was pretty awesome. That was really fun, and being tortured was was a lot of fun. And the the episode we got to do that was kind of us two together was well, one Schumer of my favorites. Yeah. yeah, it does seem like the way you described it, especially the way you described it, as like addict and enabler right. type relationship. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, that is. That's great. I'm going to use that. Are you? Okay. Yeah. First, first one's free. Okay, good. Thank you. Guys, I need to wrap up. Thank you. Okay. Thank you All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Next up, Jim Caviezel and Greg Plagman. Jim, Jim's got his hand in my back right now. <laughs> so how does the show end? <laughs> Please don't answer that question. Yeah, no, no spoilers though. <laughs> I have no idea how it's going to end. From what I, I mean, they keep everything in the, in the grave, man. Nothing. Nobody knows. Go ahead. Can you give us some kind of idea of where we're going to go? Because it kind of, you know, watching the show, it almost felt like a series ending. It was like, wow, okay, that's kind of wrapped up. They're going off in the way, but clearly it isn't, and you knew it wasn't when you wrote it. So, you know, when it was, so where, can you give us a hint of where we're going? Well, we're going underground. I mean, uh, we have, everything's been stripped from us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You basically got a, 
Uh, this is what I feel. I, Samaritan is going to become massively powerful, even more powerful than its master. Um, and it's uh, really the good versus evil, uh, major Samaritan. And, and uh, the machine is, has a lifeline, but barely. Uh, we have been stripped of... You know, all of our resources as far as cash, money, with, you know, we, we can't access, access that. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing we have going for us is that the machine, unknown to, to Decima, is uh, it, it doesn't, or the, sorry, the uh, Samaritan machine does not, uh, can't recognize us. Decima doesn't know that. But uh, that's pretty much it. And, and Finch emphasizes clearly, covers, covers, covers. Now you have characters that are these fish out of waters that are, you know, can be advantageous where I might be a uh, guy who's doing a specific job. It's way overqualified, a superhero-esque kind of thing, and, and there's a lot of humor in that. And how would you know that, you know? You know, and so the, the, they've done a great job with the, all those characters, and they make them... Yeah, there's some great strengths in them, incredible weakness to them too, uh, too that, that, that are, you know, it's, it's like us, people, we have, uh, I don't do well at answering questions, I better Well, you've also lost each other, I mean, everybody just like scattered. Will we be able to see the our, our crowd come back together? Or? Well, that's the real challenge, isn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I think in order to be true to where we ended uh, last season, you almost imagine it was a diaspora. Uh, all our guys were forced to split up, go their own way. Uh, as Jim said, they all have alter egos, essentially. Now. It's almost as, almost more of a, a comic book convention that you would, you would imagine they have day jobs. There's a Clark Kent aspect to this now uh, that they have to maintain. And, and doing that with a character like Reese or Shaw, you're thrusting them in a position where it's almost like a caged lion. They're very upset with the idea that they feel like they've been rendered futile in a, in a way. It's like, what am I doing this silly job for when we should be getting out in front of these things? We should be getting out in front of these numbers. And, and I think there's a bottleneck with the numbers. And then we're going to see that they resume, but at a very critical juncture in the premiere for a reason. And I, I think if we imagine the first uh, three seasons of this show about living in, in an Orwellian surveillance uh, state, the show is now evolving into an area uh, where artificial intelligence becomes the preeminent existential risk that not only our guys are encountering, but the world. And we think it's a lot of fun. And we, we as Jim said, Samaritan... Uh, is very powerful and, and it's almost as though machine and Samaritan are looking at the same through the same lenses but processing them differently uh, this season is about a war it's a war between two machines almost a cold war if you call it United States and the Soviet Union at one point in time or jockeying I was Godzilla and Mothra <laughs> <laughs> there's that one too well, you were talking about the fact that Samaritan is super super powerful because it has new processors now and the machine has got what, 10 years old processors or whatever but I always got the impression that the machine was smarter because it has a sense of morality that it got from Finch so but Samaritan doesn't have that guidance no, it is an ego machine but so 
and, 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 and uh, you know, when you listen to the senator talk and all these guys, this thing will not take away all your problems, but it's Pandora's box. It, 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 it comes around and it bites you. It can think for itself. There's no, uh, what do you call it, where Fitch put these little, uh, this immune system in it that kind of gave it a... Uh, conscience to you know to save those lives that are you know that we look past and uh, I think of this season as survive and advance with the mission and what the writers have done so well brilliantly is as complex as the story could get generally some guys walk in <laughs> but say that part, was that last part again about <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the uh, writer's written is, is uh, the simplicity of human beings. And I think that's what people love about it. It's uh, the, uh, uh, it save lives. I, I, I could watch the show out of nowhere. I don't know how many times he's like, so I didn't fully understand all this stuff, but understood there was a basic element. There's a number that saved this life. And the level of commitment. Uh, with these guys, they, they, they're they're like a, a group of Jedi warriors, and and they come together, and and right now they're broken apart, and they're trying to communicate, and and, and it's about survival, keeping that uh, cover, uh, and the, but there's a level of where other guys uh, will say, I think we at all costs we have to risk this one particular episode that we're shooting right now. There's a now you have this stuff going on between Finch and Reese of you know. This, we don't do something right now, this girl dies. I can tell you that right now. And he says, no, yeah, better to maybe, he's not saying this, but better to one die than the entire mission collapse. And um, so this is where the dilemma really starts to play out. It's funny that you use the, you, you like it to Star Wars a little bit. It sounds like the way you're teeing this up is like you guys are leading a, a rebellion against a, 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 a pretty significant technology-driven empire. The Empire is striking back. That's exactly what <laughs> <laughs> it's no, I mean, it's really, how do we do this now? And, and there are, you know, I might be good here, but I need Finch to do this. Yeah. And uh, Sarah's great here, Shaggy's great here, but Root's over here. And so, how do we communicate? Uh, and and, and uh, so we sometimes have to use our POIs or other people to get what we what we need and uh, but the right now is trying to get a feel just survive and then it's going to be how do we communicate and then it's how do we how do we have the resources to uh, get the munitions that we need to fight these guys we're organized it sounds like this is this is gonna this season is bringing you guys back together in some kind of ragtag rebellious fashion maybe yeah. Absolutely, and I think that's a challenge. Jim said, how, how are our guys going to communicate? How are they going to work these numbers? When there's someone watching them at all times. Now, what Root built into those servers was aliases or identities for our guys. Now, what that doesn't protect them from, if they engage in anomalous behavior to a certain degree, where they draw, they draw the attention of law enforcement in such a way, we understand that Samaritan's hooked into that and that becomes problematic. So even though it can hide them in the eyes of Samaritan to a degree, it can't hide them from a human operative that works for Samaritan. Which is really emphasizing not drawing attention to ourselves. And sometimes, <laughs> Shahi, uh, 
characters. I mean, we'll do that, or I will, or whatever, because of the idea is that oh, is it better to let this one die? And uh, and and conflict is uh, fantastic. There is a, uh, what do they say, uh, our liabilities are overflows of our assets, you know? So Jim, uh, Reese is such a taciturn character. Uh, as an actor, how do you approach that when you don't have as many words as, say, Finch has got to get what's going on in your character's head out so we can see that? I, I always believe uh, that the words are used as a device to communicate, and if you don't need to communicate with the words, you better, it's more interesting and artistic uh, to use you know, stuff that really knowledgeable uh, used with first with uh, the thin red line and um, a lot of it is I don't you know I don't need this I don't need this I don't need this it's different is it everybody has a different interpretation of what that what he was thinking or what I find more fascinating right um, there's so many different modes of communication and one of my favorite scenes last year uh, Jim and Michael were in Italy after you know they landed and he was questioning his own disillusionment with the machine and the advent of Carter's death and, and he has that scene where he sits down with Michael and Jim conveys so much in that scene non-verbally that it, to me, felt even more emotional. It was really fantastic. It was really great. Now, guys, we have one more question. I think you co-wrote the premiere right hand octopus. Can you describe or talk about the significance of that title? What we should expect? I looked at the definition, but I just wanted to see what you had to say. Certainly, there's a literal definition of panopticon, and it largely revolves around the notion of a prison system, uh, whereby. There's one central, almost tower, that can view all cells at one time. But, but the more figurative definition of Panopticon is kind of what we're all living in now, which is, you know, whether it's London's Ring of Steel or Bloomberg's cameras, we're all, we know someone's always watching. This is all, this, all this stuff that's dribbling out through Edward Snowden in the garden, we kind of know. I live in Brooklyn. Woke up in the morning, I said, hey, there, get on the phone. There are white flags on the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, yeah. uh, and, and huge and, uh, and sure enough they had these guys on surveillance but the images were a little bit they couldn't quite make that out so they'll probably start doing a little bit of upgrade on their uh, their imaging um, but yeah it's I know there are five people <laughs> let's take it for granted we're all living in a panopticon and, and there was something really interesting that happened in the Arab Spring where a government was monitoring social media, was monitoring people organizing, uh, trying uh, basically a, a rebellion, and we're, we're using social media against those people, incarcerating those people, even torturing people who were looking to, to bring about change in their country. And something arose uh, during the Arab Spring as a form of communication, a bit of subterfuge, almost a guerrilla network, which we thought was really interesting. We think that's a fun place to start off in the premiere. So, how do you how do you go up against the panopticon? How do you communicate? How do you do anything? You get a number. What do you, how, how can our guys even talk on the phone? We had some really. We had a great field trip at the beginning of the year. All the writers we went to Google. It was eye opening. Can I ask one really quick question? The glass with the cracks and the tape. With all the state-of-the-art equipment that, that they had, why was that glass broken? 
Yeah, why did why did Finch keep that glass there? Are you talking about in the, in the yeah, library? Yeah, yeah. Where they, where they, every time when they set up the case and here's the numbers and why why are we not looking at a monitor instead of yeah, broken piece broken of glass? glass. Oh, yeah. I'll take yeah, Well, we look at monitors all the time on our show in the library as well. Uh huh. But the, the the glass board largely became symbolic of the person of interest, the number that went up, mm-hmm. and it was a way to sort of network it out. And, you know, if there was one tip of the hat to traditional procedural, that would have been it. And the reason it's glass, of course, is because any director wants depth in a shot. He doesn't want to flat. <laughs> but then we thought the shattering of it was very symbolic. It, it broke so, my heart, actually. Yeah. 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 The library's gone. Right. But there's going to be a new set that arises in its way. Pretty really awesome. Yeah. Wait and see. Phoenix out of the air. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. much. A lot of fun, guys. Thank you. We're going to wrap it up with Michael Emerson and Kevin Chapman. I love an interview when they're carrying a sword. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Yeah. a little bit. Uh, Weapons at the door. I should answer the question. <laughs> All right. Yeah. First question for you. Will I be so, decapitated? No. Do you think Finch is regretting the decision not to kill the congressman now that it's all gone to... No, I, I, if he is regretting anything, he, he may be regretting building the machine. Because now, now he, may, he may think... It's 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 turned to naught. It's not. It's my worst fears have come true. That it's that it no longer reflects my value system. That, that now it has now it's self-regulating. Now it's making decisions on its own, and I I don't agree with them. He's walked away from it. He means not to have anything more to do with the machine. When is, if ever, Fusco's ever going to find out about the machine? Reese brought that up in the finale. He mentioned the machine. He's like, what machine? He's like, come yeah. on. Like, we'll see. Maybe this season. Maybe this will be the year. <laughs> That's the other thing. Do you feel your character got left out? Everybody else just disappeared. What do you think happened? Well, they're just off the grid. I mean, they're still being a pain in the ass calling my office. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, uh, Michael, it looks like Finch has lost everything, um, and uh, he's forced out of his lair. Um, how's that going to be working for you during this next season, and how, how are you going to recover that? Or some sense well, as, as you might imagine, he's always looking for... You know, he's going to he's going to rebuild somehow, somewhere. He's got to find a new place to live. Yeah, it's going to take it's going to take some time. Well, he has lots of backups and fail safes, but as far as a nerve center, a place to live, that that has to be found afresh. What about funding? Is his new, you know, is he still a reclusive billionaire but of a different type? Or is he like working as a janitor now? And <laughs> his, his money still exists, but he can't, he can't touch it without putting himself on the Samaritan's radar. So they're having to find <laughs> more, more, more creative ways. Do you think so he's now a hundred air, is what he's saying. <laughs> Do you think Finch is going to try to communicate more directly with the machine this season? I think Finch means not to speak to the machine at all again. Yeah. I remember in the finale, the, the scene that, other than the library being destroyed, the scene that really broke my heart was everybody kind of breaking away from each other yeah. and walking in different directions. How do you see this kind of coming back together and working together as a team? Well, of course, that's, that's what... 
season four will be largely about, at least in the early going, you know, putting the pieces back together. You have in, in your, I, well, you've already seen it. I was going to say you have in your mind how you would see that happening. But all I've seen are the first two episodes, the first two scripts. Well, we're not privy to where things are going long term. That stuff's not even written. One of the things that was the most difficult thing for me this season was losing Carter. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, for your character, that must have been an incredible loss. Um, how do you pick up and kind of go from there? Well, I think, I think um, first off, I think it was a great send-off that they, that they gave Carter's, Carter's character. I mean, you talk about going out in a blaze of glory. She, she definitely did. And, uh, that those those three or four episodes, I think, were some of the best television I, as a fan of the show, I've ever seen. I just thought it was it was really really great stuff. Um, I think you know, like I say, I say, I think with the loss of Cotto, I think it brought Fusco specifically back to that once heroic image of himself that that maybe you know got him interested in becoming a police officer in the first place, and it was really kind of time for him to put his big boy pants on and and, and step up, you know. Um, but um, it'd be interesting to see where it all goes this year. You know, when Jim was was here previously, he made this reference to he kind of likened where the show was heading to Star Wars, and that there is this yeah, this yeah. empire. The empire is, yeah. has has struck back, yeah. and you know now you know he used to smoke a lot of pot, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, there is this. Uh, notion that you guys are going to you know this this upcoming season is going to be about building the rebellion because boy you guys are really in a spot yeah we were outsiders before now we're going to be real outsiders now now we are going to be a team against whom the cards are really stacked they also reference the fact that there was going to be conflict between uh, Finch and Reese about how to deal with numbers right. now. So, yeah. can you elaborate a little bit? Well, yeah, Mr. Finch has w- walked away from the whole mess. He's washed his hands of it. He does not mean to work with them anymore. So, we'll have to see, you know, if that can get thawed out. It does seem like the perspective is bigger. And the way we, he, was, he was sort of referring to it is that there are every life is valuable but Finch has this much you have a wider view that you're looking at and saying the, the game is bigger than the number that comes you know our way and is that fair to is, is that where he's at right now well I think he I think he never stops hoping that ethical values will be reflected in ethical behavior and ethical products, even artificial intelligence. But I, I'm a, he may be doomed to disappointment. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, before we wrap up, it is special announcement time. I'm really excited to make this the official announcement that this fall of 2014, Golden Spiral Media will be adding 
Person of Interest as a full-time show that we will be covering. You may recall that Doug Payton and I did about 30 episodes of a Person of Interest podcast for TV Talk. We did all of last season and half of the season before that. And this fall, we are bringing our show to Golden Spiral Media. Doug and I are really excited about it. We don't have a name to tell you yet. We don't have an RSS feed to tell you yet. But we are working feverishly on those, and we are super excited to be devoting our full attention to person of interest for Golden Spiral Media starting in the fall of 2014. Thanks for tuning into this episode, and be sure to check out all of the other podcasts that we have covering San Diego Comic Con 2014. You can subscribe to this podcast and all of the other Golden Spiral Media podcasts at goldenspiralmedia.com slash podcast. Take care.